It was a battle of two MVP candidates, and the Bucks ended up winning this one wire to wire in a pretty enjoyable game to watch. There were some big performances across the board. I was looking at the record books. I thought Grayson Allen was about to create some history uh, tonight in this game. But overall, the offense was firing, and I thought in the fourth quarter, the Bucks got it done with some pretty good defense as well. So let's break down uh, this failed Jason Kidd revenge game. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win But welcome to Locked On Bucks. My name is Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me, the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. That's PricePicks.com, uh, promo code Locked On. And we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And shout out to everyone that jumped on the live podcast the other night. Frank, I was telling you about this. It was pretty cool, in all honesty. So if you subscribe to YouTube, we'll do more live podcasts now because I've got a little bit of faith that we can uh, push through and make it a lot of fun. But everyone's in the stream. You can put up comments on the on the stream as we're doing it and go through and people can ask questions. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, thanks to everyone that was joining. that joined. I was surprised how many jumped on on late notice, but it was good fun. And uh, we'll try and drag Frank on there. Frank, I reckon if we did a live podcast, it it might go like 90 minutes or two hours or something like that. I don't know what you're trying to insinuate, Kane, but... Um, People want I, to talk to Frank forward, Madden, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, Kirk Henderson, um, old uh, Dallas Mavericks blog buddy of mine, um, he was uh, uh, just messaging me um, about uh, he he runs Mavs Moneyball and of course pods podcasts every game they do the Spotify Green Room thing or whatever it's called now Spotify Live um, and they will do like marathon uh, post game live podcasts sometimes like you know two hours or something like that and uh, they refer to it as group therapy when I think I don't know if they always call it group therapy or only when the Mavs lose but I know they've been having. Uh, some frustrating times in Dallas these days. Our old friend Jason Kidd rearing his uh, his head and doing Jason Kidd type things, but um, fortunately, we moved on to the Mike Budenholzer era, Kane Pittman, and uh, you know some 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 hits and misses at times. But gotta say, year five of the Bud era, feeling really good about it. Feeling really good about it. And uh, you know tonight, Maps come in on the second night of a back to back. They had kind of pretty grueling uh, close loss in yeah. Toronto last night. So, you know, I'm sure they can look at it and say, oh, it's kind of a schedule loss coming in here to Milwaukee with the Bucks having a rest advantage. But, uh, you know, I mean, just looking at the three-point shooting numbers, right? Like, I don't think you look at a team coming in with heavy legs as being, oh, they're going to shoot the lights out. But ever since that game, remember two years ago when, the, when Denver came in with Jokic and, like, half the team hurt, and they came in and uh, on a second night of a back-to-back, 
in similar circumstances um, with missing all these dudes. And they just shot the lights out against the Bucks and just blew the doors off the Bucks in Milwaukee. And ever since that, I'm like always just very wary of these like, oh, you know, breast advantage, like you're going to win type type games. I'm always just like, all right, I'm a little nervous because you're supposed to win this game. And tonight, um, you know, Dallas, we, you know, Ma- one of the big times for the Mavericks has been, well, they don't, you know, Luca creates all these shots, but these dudes can't hit open threes. Well, tonight, 17 out of 41 from three, um, you know, the, the second best shooting performance of the year against the Bucks from three point range. Um, you know, similar numbers to the Chicago performance, but I would say somewhat different circumstances. And uh, fortunately for the Bucks, they matched that with 17 out of 37. And you know, as you mentioned, Grayson Allen um, kind of leading the way with uh, with his seven threes and that monster first half to, to kind of keep keep the Mavericks at bay. And Dallas got, you know, got got within, I think, 86, 85. And then Javon Carter hit a not very easy step back three and Giannis kind of got going a little bit. And uh, fortunately, that was it. And again, you know, Mavericks not in a great spot right now whatever excuses you might want to make, they're still a good team. They won this game last year in Milwaukee. Uh, and with Luca, they always have a chance, but I thought they did pretty good job on Luca tonight. 27 points on 20 shots, six turnovers. I think you live with that and uh, bank another win and um, move to 14 and five on the year. They did and 14 and five. We keep saying it, but it, it is a pretty remarkable record. You've still got Chris Middleton sitting on the bench. A few people tweeted out this stuff, but Chris Middleton hasn't played a game. Pat's obviously missed 16. Joe Ingles, we knew, but he hasn't played. Drew, Giannis, these guys have all missed games. And it did feel that tonight was one of the first nights where offensively, I know Grayson Allen, it, it helps when you hit the threes. And it feels like everything's firing uh, offensively. The assist numbers are up. But you get six guys in double digits on the night. You have 28 assists. You get 50-plus points in the paint on top of the three-point shooting. So I, I thought it was going to be an interesting challenge defensively because I don't know how many of these teams the Bucks have played this year so far that you come in expecting that they're going to fire you know, heaps of shots from three. There's been a lot of teams that the Bucks have played that are pretty low volume three-point shooters. The Mavericks aren't that, mostly just by nature of Luka doing everything and then other guys standing around and shooting threes. And they've got some decent shooters in this team. But on a night where the Bucks needed the offense, I thought Drew Holiday, Marcus Johnson kept ma- mentioning it on the broadcast, but he looked like he was moving really well. Uh, and and then, um, as you mentioned, Javon Carter, who made shots in the last game. And then Bobby Portis, who still can't hit a three, Frank, one for five from three on this night. But uh, I thought one of his, his good games offensively as well with being able to score in other areas. So I just thought offensively to have 70 points or 73 points or whatever they had in the first half, one of the better offensive performances outside of Giannis just, physically dominating everyone on the opposition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the offense obviously has been the question mark for the Bucks. It, it should be with without Chris Middleton and, you know, with some of the additional injuries, obviously Drew's missed time. Even Giannis has missed a few games so far. Um, you know, the shooting, I think, has been one of the primary culprits for the offensive inconsistency. And I think the other thing that, you know, we've talked about is the transition offense with Giannis, you just sort of take for granted that the Bucs are going to at least be an above-average mm. transition offense, uh, but perhaps, again, correlating with the, the lack of consistent three-point shooting. The transition offense hasn't been good. Tonight, it was a much bigger factor. Cleaning the glass has a metric on transition points added per, per 100 possessions, 
and they had the Bucks at at plus nine points per per one hundred added via transition, which is very good. That's I think ninetieth percentile or so, um, much higher than than what Dallas ended up having. And and you saw it obviously with Giannis getting out on the break um, and being able to do damage. And and you know we obviously I wasn't there for the Friday discussion, but I thought that was the other big thing on Friday as well is that you saw Giannis just being a total wrecking ball in transition. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause I mean, as you said, I, I totally agree. I mean, he, he did not look like he had his full burst, like, and it's c- crazy to say it. Like you have to watch the bucks every game to make a comment like I'm about to make, but I'll make it anyway. He had a couple plays on Friday, which were superhuman transition, you know, Euro step gliding class dudes, whatever dunks. If you, if, you know, if you had never seen Giannis play, but you were a fan of bas- basketball and you saw that, you would be like, who the heck is this guy? That was amazing what that guy just did. But based on what we're used to seeing, it was kind of like, man, he didn't get very high on that dunk. Or, man, he really just barely kind of finished that, <laughs> that incredible dunk. It did seem like he was missing a little bit of his normal burst on Friday. You know, And he, and he stood there. Like he didn't even have the yeah, energy for yeah, the main mug. He kind of right. just hands on, on his knees. Yeah. I, then he stopped after a couple of those. And I was yeah. like, I was concerned that maybe it was like the knee, like he felt the knee when he landed. I mean, you know, we didn't have any real confirmation of what it was, but it did feel like he was maybe just a little bit gassed. Maybe that was the reason why he sat for a long period mm. uh, to start the second quarter when the bucks go down, you know, 15 points or whatever it was. And you're kind of thinking like, man, just doesn't look like it's going to be here tonight guys. But um you know, he, he kind of just gutted through that and third quarter was just vintage Giannis and um, similar story tonight, right? Remember last year? Remember last year when the Bucks just like were disasters in the third quarter and it was like that recurring theme of like, yeah. oh God, here we go again. Here we go again. They're going to just get crushed in third quarter. This year, it's been the complete opposite. They've been monsters in the first and third quarters. And again, is that reflective of the fact that their starting unit has been so good? And obviously the the depth problems crop up more in the the kind of the second quarter and fourth quarter and again fourth quarter who knows how much like kind of garbage time you know um rubber band effect stuff might be might be impacting there but uh but yeah i thought tonight obviously the shooting was encouraging the transition play was encouraging um and you know the the wednesday performance the way the bucks were kind of over helping and giving up threes i thought that was a lot more frustrating than tonight and again maybe that's just because they win tonight and they lost yeah, on Wednesday. Yeah. But um, Luca is just such a tough matchup, especially with the Bucks in their current form, missing the wing depth that they have, like not having a lot of size on the wing right now. You know, starting that that basically three guard lineup that you have when you're when you're going against smaller guards, like when the you know the best player on the opposite team is is a, a point guard, you don't really feel it as much. But when it's a guy like Luca, who again is a one of one, right? Who's six, seven to 50 or wherever the heck Luca is. Um, I mean, Drew Holiday, as strong as he is, I mean, it's just, it's hard for him, you know, especially with the way that, that they screen. And, uh, you know, I thought we saw obviously them try different looks against Luca. Uh, you know, he was kind of getting downhill and screen rolls. We saw a couple lobs in the first quarter. Uh, and then as the game went on the second half, we saw more of the switching and, you know, even when Luca hit some shots, I thought the switches generally were executed pretty well as far as, you know, Bobby, even Brooke had some pretty good possessions staying down and reading Luca's footwork and, and not giving him at least the ability at like a blow by or, or a really easy basket. You know, he still hits some fadeaways and some shots where you just kind of tip your cap. But, um, but overall, you know, I think 
it, it was sort of one of those things. I mean, both teams, it felt like you're just waiting for, well, which team is going to start missing shots. And it did feel like, you know, one of the, the advantages that when, when one of the things that when the Mavs really kind of got going was, you know, you had, it wasn't just that guys were helping off when Brooke Lopez was manning the middle. The problem was Brooke was Lopez was having to defend on the perimeter a fair bit because of the way that they can stretch you out. Right. I mean, they started Christian Wood to start third quarter. So without Josh Powell, you know, Brooke can't camp out in the middle of the lane. And so you saw a couple of times Brooke got kind of caught out there, not against Luca, but against Christian Wood doing using a pump fake and driving for a dunk or, you know, Maxi Kleber, guys that at least have a little bit more mobility. And so when Brooke is just having to defend his man out there, just creates a little bit different dynamic. And I thought created some challenges. And again, I thought as well in the first quarter, it seemed like when Brooke got his first two quick fouls, it seems like they were a little bit out of sorts and it's, it's like the kind of the game plan. They weren't ready to have to defend with, with Bobby and Giannis as the bigs necessarily to start the game with Brooke getting those early fouls. So, you know, again, Luca's just so good. And tonight I'm sure he was a little tired, um, but I thought the Bucks did a pretty, pretty decent job against him, gave him different looks. And again, you know, I, I was a little curious, like given the way that they've tried to not help a lot, um, you know, it's not like they were double teaming him and and trying to get the ball out of his hands all the time. Like that's what Toronto was doing last night. And obviously the Bucks were trying to play more, I don't want to say straight up, but but a little bit more honestly to, to try not to give him the ability to just pick guys out for, for easy shots. But, you know, he still puts up double digit assists. And, you know, and again, his teammates have generally not hit a lot of shots for him tonight. They do. Um, but net net, you know, again, you just kind of look at it. You're like, all right, well, they had a pretty – you know, call it uh, above average shooting night for sure. And uh, you still end up winning pretty comfortably. Needed a lot of threes, but whatever, you know, against a team like that, I think we saw, we saw why that team was so explosive offensively a year ago and why I think they're going to be better offensively kind of over the rest of the season. Maybe if they haven't hit their stride just yet. Yeah. And the Bucks, it doesn't feel like anyway, I don't have the, the record in front of me, but it does feel like the Mavericks have been a team that have, they've done pretty well against Milwaukee over the last uh, few seasons. That's for sure. More on the defense. We mentioned Drew Holiday, but we, we can talk about it a little bit more after I talk about our sponsors, Turo, which is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Turo. You can book any car you want whenever you want it from a community of local hosts, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the UK US, Canada, and Australia. That's good. It said coming soon last week. So that's great news for all our friends in Australia. So uh, book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget uh, like me and uh, just need to get from A to B. So test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on or whatever you really need. You can find it at uh, at Turo there. Every trip is backed by liability insurance terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Uh, also check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast after you're done with Locked On Bucks. And uh, we know Locked On Bucks is your first listen of every day, but for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today from the games that matter uh, to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So they gave up 19 points in the fourth quarter. So this was the interesting thing. So I thought a pretty pivotal stretch in this game because, as you pointed to, which team was going to miss shots first? 
or which team was going to be able to create the real separation. Now, the Bucks won wire to wire, so it feels like it should have been more comfortable than it was. But with the scoring power with Luka Doncic, you're like, okay, this could still get pretty hairy in the fourth quarter. Giannis sits the first minute or so of the fourth, and they go on a nine-to-one run in that stretch. And all of a sudden, an eight-point lead, I think it, it got out to as many as 16, Dallas called time, and you're like, okay, this is this is a, a comfortable position we want to be. And then I thought that the defense, and Drew Holiday, you mentioned that it's a difficult matchup for him, but he just had a couple of possessions. There was one possession in particular defending Luka, where his ability to navigate, I think it was Bertans who was trying to set the screen, and Drew Holiday spun. He does this spin move to go over the screen. He does that. Then next one, he hopped under the screen. Then Bertans stripped over his own feet because he's just a little bit of a clumsy, tall man. And Drew Holiday was able to poke the ball away. They get the steal, then he hits the three down the other end. And that was just one possession from Drew, but he had a couple of other times where Christian Wood saw him and said, oh, I'll be able to post up this uh, fella, this little guy. This will be easy. And Drew just it forced him into uh, missed shots, poked the ball away. Uh, he had three steals on the day. But I, again, I, I thought it was one of Drew's better defensive games. And I don't think you can always come into the regular season and expect that he's going to be dominance defensively given the task that he's got every single night for 80 games I don't think it's realistic that's why we've seen the best of him uh, in the postseason but I don't know whether it was just a bit of recovery from that ankle stuff he's been dealing with or just the fact that he was playing against Luca uh, but it was one of the nights where he looked like he was more uh, charged up for this matchup and ultimately if Luca's going to score 27 points on 20 shots I know there was the assist but you'll take that yeah, yeah, with six turnovers as well. Um, I, I thought one of the interesting things. I mean, looking at the the rotations tonight, um, you know, I was I was tweeting about Jordan Wara's struggles. He he kind of was reduced to basically the Bucks have been running like a nine and a half man rotation for the past few weeks, maybe even mm-hmm. further back than that. But you know, Jordan kind of got reduced to like the the half kind of role, and he finished with eleven minutes. Um, but some of that was was at the end, the last three minutes or so, which were kind of garbage time. But sort of when I say like a like nine and a half. It's kind of the last guys getting like usually like around yeah. like six, seven minutes. You know, a lot of times it's like gets like a cameo in the second quarter, but then doesn't doesn't come back in the second half. Um, and I, I mean, I thought it was interesting looking at just who they were able to throw it at Luca. Again, I mentioned obviously you don't have as many guys as you'd want with with Chris out. Um, you know, obviously Joe's been hurt, etc. Those are obviously taller wings that you know again from a size standpoint at least. Um, maybe not match up as well quickness wise with Luca, but he can't bully those guys maybe quite as well. Uh, but interesting. I mean, Wes Matthews only playing nine minutes. I mean, to me, that's one of the interesting, you know, deep cut subplots of the Bucks' early success has been the fact that, you know, Wes came was coming back from an injury in the preseason and they really have not had to lean on him very much. You know, in some of the bigger games, he's played a little bit more in crunch time, things like that, but they've had a lot of these games where they just like, you know, like, ah, we don't need to play. We don't need to really kind of rely heavily on Wes. And, um, you know, obviously he's not particularly tall, but strength-wise and, and just savvy-wise, uh, you would say, is is a little better suited than, you know, certainly like obviously any of the smaller guards to to try to defend Luca. But, um, but like you said, I mean, the irony was in the second half, it was, you know, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez at times were, were guys that probably saw as much of Luca um in in switches as uh, as some of the smaller guys did and um you know i think in general just kind of they held up pretty well and you know you think you can kind of tell as well over the course of a game yeah i'm sure the the fatigue factor kind of 
played some role. He played 43 minutes last night. Uh, tonight, he ends up playing, what was it, 35 minutes, right? And compare that to Giannis, you know, 29 minutes, right? Like they were able to to kind of manage his minutes. I think he only played 31 minutes on Friday. So if he has been battling a little bit of a bug or something like that, at least they've been able to, to manage it, it pretty well. And, um, you know, obviously that's, that's I'll say that's one area where, uh, one of the number of areas where Mike Budenholzer has proven himself uh, to be, let's just say, have a little bit better judgment and a little bit better big picture viewpoint than uh, than Jason Kidd, just the managing his his guys' minutes and kind of being wary of of running guys too hard during the regular season. And on that topic as well, I thought Brook Lopez, another four blocks, thirteen points tonight, but did have some foul trouble. And and even so, I think you know only twenty three minutes. I think this was a kind of game given the ability of the Mavs to spread you out in the way that they were shooting the ball. I think this kind of like Wednesday was a game where um, just because of the nature of the matchups, uh, you know, it's probably not bad to, to at times go away from Brook in a game like this and, and go with slightly more mobile lineups. And, you know, we saw Pat, Pat Connaughton back tonight. Uh, he had a pretty, pretty big three only made one shot, but that was a, kind of a tough Giannis pass that he handled and hit a corner three towards the end of the third quarter when the Bucks had, you know, allowed the, the Mavs to get back into it. And then they got some separation at the end of the third quarter. And that was a really big shot that, that Pat hit. So again, just Pat coming back, he only plays 11 minutes tonight, but just, you know, having him back, um, you know, gives you ability to, to I think be a little bit, um, a little bit more, I don't want to say creative, but, you know, again, you can play a guy who was a top six rotation guy in an NBA championship team and, Again, someone like Jordan Wara, who's just really struggled for consistency on both ends. You don't have to rely on Jordan to the same extent that that they were having to to rely on him here over the past you know month or so. So um, so yeah, again, I mean, we, <laughs> I hesitate to say like, oh great, they're healthy, it's all good now. They can play the guys they want because you know, Lord knows, next game someone's gonna strain a calf or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Right, injuries are just kind Frank, of a reality Frank, Frank. of of all this. But uh, but nice to see, hopefully, them getting healthier. And now, obviously, just the the big question is, you know, when do we see Chris Middleton? And I don't think any of us have any um, definitive answers on that. But we know, obviously, our friend Eric and others have kind of been asking Bud at, at every turn and kind of figuring out what he's been doing. And they're obviously not being too forthcoming about that. But we know he's been getting, quote unquote, assigned and then recalled from the herd to do practices along with a lot of times Marjan. I think the NASA's was included in that the other day as well which pretty much just means the herd comes down to Milwaukee. They do a practice at, uh, at the, at the, the freighter medical college or what is it? Is it wait, sorry. Is it freighter to medical college in Wisconsin or medical college of Wisconsin and freight, whatever it is. Um, so, so we know he's doing something, uh, but obviously they don't really have much practice for the bucks proper, you know, scrimmaging practicing with the bucks. So hopefully he's getting closer, but, we will see. It's almost December. And uh, again, fortunately, they have not, you know, looked like a team that desperately needs him back in order to, to kind of stay afloat. Uh, but sooner rather than later, they're obviously going to need him. And again, hopefully it's not because of other guys getting injured and hopefully they can start to, to get healthier and have a nice stretch of, of good health here as as the schedule gets a little bit uh, less home heavy. Uh, let's talk a little bit about our old friend, as we mentioned, Jason Kidd. It's interesting. It does seem like there is a little bit of frustration coming out of Dallas. But you mentioned Bobby Portis. So he had another double-double today, and they put it up on the broadcast uh, that he is now tied with Giannis for 11 double-doubles in the season, second in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton is number one in the league for double-doubles. I guess I haven't been watching 
enough paces games this season. But when I was thinking about uh, Bobby Portis and uh, the double doubles that he had, it made me think of our friends at Prize Picks because uh, if you don't know what's going on at Prize Picks, uh, all you have to do is pick two to six players, and if they go. Uh, over or under their price picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And if you have been playing with price picks and you've been choosing Bobby Portis, you're probably doing pretty well if you're taking the over. So there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And if you don't want to uh, play with NBA, uh, there's NFL, uh, MLB. Well, it's done now, but NHL, golf, all college sports as well. So you can have a look on the website there and have some fun. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And uh, currently operational in over 30 states uh, and also fr- the friends north of the border in, uh, in Canada there as well. So shout out to those guys. Uh, download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks uh, when they use the promo code Locked On. So deposit 100, you'll get 100. Deposit 50, you'll get 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So we saw Giannis' uh, lengthy uh, embrace with uh, Jason Kidd uh, post-game. Jason Kidd has uh, plenty of things to say, just a little uh, whispering in his ear with a few words of advice. Uh, I can't imagine what he was saying there. But it's interesting, year two in Dallas for Jason Kidd. And we've been through the year two Jason Kidd experience. And Dallas you know, had a pretty decent year last year, obviously surprised the Suns in the postseason. Uh, but they've been middle of the pack. I don't know when I look at this roster, though, and I've watched a, a fair bit of Dallas because uh, I have a keen interest in young Josh Green playing for the Mavericks this season. But, I mean, they lost Jalen Brunson. They just don't have a lot going on in terms of guys outside of Luka Doncic that can create anything. We've watched this Bucks offense and sat back and said, geez, they're short on creators. They're looking like prime San Antonio, beautiful basketball Spurs on offense compared to what the Mavericks can dish up outside of the brilliance of Luka Doncic. It's a... Uh, it's an interesting team that uh, Jason has to figure out what's going on out in Dallas. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing, and I was talking to, again, Kirk Henderson, um, just, and, and I follow Kirk on Twitter. So, I mean, I, I actually follow a number of, of Dallas people. So I feel like I'm, I'm again, I'm well from versed. afar. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. in the weeds of, of the Mavericks or like that, but I'm, I'm at least following what kind of some of the main, like Tim Cato and Kirk and, um, my friend Andrew Tobolowski, who, who's written for about the the uh, the maps for Mavs Moneyball as well, um, and I think I think the the big existential challenge they have right now is like I don't think they can. I think there's like a debate about like how good should the Mavericks actually be, and mm. you know I think there's obviously some parallels between year one in Milwaukee. He comes in, Bucks go from a 15 win team to a 41 win team. Oh, you know it's going to be a hockey stick improvement next year, let's win 50 games, right? Like that's kind of naturally how people tend to think. And obviously the second year, then there was the regression. I think for Dallas, obviously, um, you know, they were a a pretty good regular season team. It's not like they were incredible. Obviously the West is a tough place to, you know, it's tough to finish top three in the West, but last year you go all the way to the West finals and, you know, you, of course you don't sit back and say like, well, but we weren't really that good. (laughs) um, But as you said, I mean, you lose Brunson, who obviously was was really big for them during the regular season and the playoffs. And I, I think that's just that question. Like, well, how good is this team really supposed to be? And I, I you know, I don't think 
anybody was really picking them to be a top three seed necessarily coming into this year. But uh, I think offensively, I mean, my, my general feeling is, I mean, I, I feel like Luca is so good and, and he's been, I mean, he has taken another step forward this year. I mean, he's shooting, she's shooting higher from two point percentage than Giannis is right now. Like he's at like 61% Giannis is, I think a little under 60%. Um, he like he is just a machine he hasn't even shot that well from three this year uh but he is to me and kind of an offense unto himself and um i, I mean i think I, you kind of look at this team overall and it's like they're actually really not that different when you look at their statistical profiles i'm looking at them on cleaning the gas right now last year offense 114.1 12 this year uh coming into tonight 114.11th. So the offense has been pretty much the same, which uh, again, you would probably say, well, that's just Luca just carrying them even more this year with Brunson gone. And then defensively, last year they were eighth at 110.3. This year they're ninth at 111.2. Obviously, it'd be a little worse after tonight. But that, that was kind of the thing to me that was the most surprising last year. Is I, I, I was surprised that they were as good as they were defensively, right? You know, they were better defensively than the Bucs. <laughs> You look at that personnel and they, you know, hey, Dorian Finney-Smith's a really good, useful defender. But sorry, I don't see that team being a top 10 defense, especially given, you know, as Bucks fans, everything we know about uh, um, uh, Jason Kidd and Sean Sweeney and kind of the challenges they had over time with uh, Good with the in Bucks year on. one. They were good in year one. So that was the thing I was most curious about. I was like, well, I mean, it's basically Luca in a cloud of dust offensively. And then can you – scheme your way be active enough just try really hard have enough like versatility uh that you can be good defensively again and good enough basically that you put yourself in a decent spot seating wise to get in the playoffs and then in the playoffs you just say all right luca go be a one-man wrecking team um and and do your thing so i don't know i mean they basically have this so far this year i think a lot of it's just been down to underperforming their point differential and maybe people just looking at where they were last year and just thinking that, you know, they were a lot better than they, they were last year. So I don't know. I mean, I think with them, they obviously have, I think some broader talent problems because like the bucks, you have a real big three. And as you're alluding to, what is the big three of the Dallas Mavericks, right? If it was a big three, well, they lost probably their second best player in free agency and got nothing for it. And is Spencer Didwini part of a big three? Is Christian Wood part of a big three? Those those dudes just feel a lot more like, you know, your fourth and fifth best players on on great teams than than numbers two and three or whatever it might be, right? And so I don't know. I they they just seem like kind of a you know mid table team that you're just gonna hope that when you get to the playoffs that you can just catch lightning in a bottle with with Luca, have some things go your way, and you know, and and just really ride him. And, and again, Luca may be the most dangerous, especially offensively, the most dangerous, you know, playoff offensive player, right there with someone like Steph. Um, I think just because of the shooting, he's probably offensively better than than Giannis in in a playoff type scenario, especially given some of the inconsistency Giannis has shown shooting and fouls and things like that. But um, but I don't know. I don't really feel bad for them. Let me say that. And um, I think I think as well, like what they're what they're feeling as well as frustration because Jason Kidd does not care about the media being able to explain what's going on. He does not care about giving fans explanations for why things are not going well. 
he doesn't care about whether he looks like a jerk or whether he can provide answers that make it seem like he knows what the heck is going on. And that's very frustrating and annoying. And I think, you know, it also just makes you wonder like what's really going on with the coaching staff. Do they have answers? You know, what are they really thinking? What are they really going to do about some of the challenges that the team has? And, um, you know, again, some of their challenges I think are just more roster based. So it's not really necessarily a coaching thing per se, but um, you know, they have definitely, I think, I mean, look, they're, what under are they under 500 now? I think they're one and seven on the road. Um, obviously, they're not where they want to be. And anytime you're doing, you're underachieving with Luca, I don't know. We'll see, right? At some point, if they don't kind of get it together. You know, there, there's always going to be whispers at some point if they don't have team success about how does Luca feel about it. And so we'll see. Um, have fun with Jason Kidd. That's all I can say. Because <laughs> the, more, the more frustrating things get, the the more annoyed and the more annoying he is going to be and again as a fan that's that's not a lot of fun he was asked the other day uh what the mavericks can do with luca being trapped more and double teamed more as the ball handler and kid kind of scoffed at the question and then said i don't know maybe make some more shots other than that i don't know what else you can do about it which is exactly what you're talking about which clearly he's being a smart ass but the fans do not want to hear that. The, the, they don't want to hear that you're just out of ideas and you're just yeah. being um, kind of dismissive of any questions that come your way. But th- that's the Jason Kidd experience. So we'll see what happens in Dallas. And it does tie into what's going on with the Bucks, though. When you talk about the, the high usage players in the league, Giannis actually has a higher usage percentage than Luca right now, which is hard to believe. But it's again, Chris Milton isn't playing there. And I think we've seen historically with guys like James Harden and yeah, probably Luca. They carry so much of a load through the season that perhaps fatigue is a factor later in the season. And that's we've, we've been discussing that with Giannis and why it's important that sometimes uh, his minutes can be reduced a little bit there. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Luca either way. The Bucs have got two days off and then they're in New York. They play the Knicks. It's always fun to see the Bucs and the Knicks play at Madison Square Garden. And maybe Giannis can add another highlights to his list of highlights at the Garden. So We'll have a couple of podcasts before that game. We might sneak in another live. We'll see how we're feeling. I'll keep you posted. But if you can, subscribe, can, we, can on YouTube, we talk about can we talk about Giannis for just one minute? Because I feel like we didn't talk about him at all before we yeah, go. Thirty three. Well, we're thirty four minutes in, and I I'm really told very strongly to not make it more than thirty. So make it quick. <laughs> um, not a world beating performance. Gets the two early fouls. The two early fouls. I was livid. Came. I was mm-hmm. livid about the two I fouls. Know. The first foul, it looked like the defender was like trying to basically like keep him from going to a ball that was just bouncing. And he kind of just like ran around him and got the ball. And I'm like, why is that a foul? I have no idea why a foul call was, was called on that. And then the second one makes my blood boil. The sort of uh, Tim, Tim Hardaway sliding, not set, complete bullshit uh Offensive foul in, in transition called by Lauren Holtkamp, who's probably my least favorite NBA referee. Every year, I feel like she does a few games and stuff like this happens. Again, why are you rewarding guys who are not trying to play defense? They're not set. Giannis was not like just bowling over a guy who was just planted stationary. Terrible call for a second foul. And thankfully, though, Serenity now came. Serenity mm. now. Giannis got it going a bit in the second quarter. And in the third quarter, he really got loose. Again, transition, kind of a similar run to what he had on Friday. Didn't have the 
uh, fun three-point shooting as we saw on Friday. And then, but probably the other big piece here is that second straight game where the free throw shooting was good. <laughs> he hits his first, uh, I think, six or seven, uh, finishes eight out of 10. And I swear, the, the, the only thing I'm annoyed, annoyed at this free throw routine is how long it was taking. I, I counted, he was at like 15, 16 seconds on I think his third, third and fourth or third or fourth free throws. And I, you could hear someone on the mic from the Mavericks like complaining about just how much time he was taking just before he got into his routine, like just like grabbing, holding the ball and literally just like six or seven seconds, just taking, you know, meditation, yoga, deep breaths, whatever. Um, I'm curious if somebody like the refs like told him like, hey, you know, speed it up or something because after those first four free throws, he got it a lot. He was doing it much more quickly and was probably around 10, 11 seconds. Um, Scotty and Foster. Thankfully, yeah, Scotty Foster. Somebody whispered, was like, dude, you know, wrap it up, you know. Um, but anyway, the good news is, like, mechanically what he's doing right now where he's, you know, not doing his pre-shot routine, he's holding the ball, and then he's basically kind of doing his dip, load up from – a st- you know, instead of like getting to a crouch as he prepares and then shooting, he's basically getting um, going from from vertical and then going down and just crouch into a shot in in one motion. Obviously, it, it's working pretty well, and he doesn't need to you know take eight seconds of deep breaths in order to do it. So hopefully, that means that he will adjust and get to a more rapid routine, so he doesn't start getting counted down as as we've seen um, in years past. But yeah, again, just hopefully he's getting a little more settled and. Um, you know, now four straight 30 point games after I think it was like five or six where he was sub 30 and struggling from the field to be effective. So again, hopefully be honest, getting back into uh, a rhythm, even if maybe he's been a little bit of weather. So yeah, good, good for that. That's it. Kane, I'm done. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. That was uh, concise straight to the point and a little bit of complaining about the officiating, which we like. <laughs> Uh, you referenced the dip in Giannis's free throw shooting, which reminded me of this point I want to finish this podcast in. Uh, shout out to Booty Lopez for uh, drawing a four-point play with his caboose, as Marcus Johnson uh, <laughs> referred to it as on the broadcast. That was great stuff from uh, Brooke Lopez. So, all right, we'll be back the next couple of days. Bucks and Knicks, thanks for listening. Subscribe and jump in. Let us know your thoughts, all those types of things. We appreciate it. I'll be scrolling through the comments, replying to all you sickos over the next 24 hours. We appreciate it. We'll speak to you all tomorrow.